Hello everyone and welcome to this Women's Day special episode of the Women and Work White Matters podcast brought to you by the International Center for Research on Women and Feminism in India. I am Japleen, the founder and CEO of FII, and on this International Women's Day, I'm so honored to welcome Peggy Clark. Peggy Clark is the CEO and president for the International Center for Research on Women. Prior to ICRW, Peggy served as the executive director for the Aspen Global Innovators Group. She has also worked with the Ford Foundation and Save the Children, where she developed and implemented programs in 45 countries and across six geographic regions. She holds a Master of Arts in Economics and Latin American Studies from John Hopkins University and a Bachelor of Arts in Anthropology and Fine Arts from Colgate University. Hi, Peggy, and welcome to Women in Work, Why It Matters podcast. Hi, Chapin. Good morning. I'm delighted to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Peggy. And you know, it's a great day to be talking about gender inequalities and women and work on International Women's Day, which, as uh, you would know, was initially called International Working Women's Day, as it emerged from the activities of labor movements at the turn of the 20th century in North America and, and across Europe. And the four UN women's conferences commemorated a rallying point to build support for women's rights and participation in the political economic arenas. At FII, we celebrate International Women's Day by coming together with the women's movement in India and joining a march. I would love to know how do you and ICRW team celebrate Women's Day and what does it mean for you? Thanks so much, Abhin. And, you know, I'm really honored to be here with you, particularly because India has been at the forefront of feminist movements for decades. And some of the most important leaders that have led us all forward in women's rights are from India, as you know. So how we will do it is it's a big day for us at ICRW. We'll be featuring a lot of our work in both Africa and India on social media. And we will be celebrating. We're not together because of COVID, but if we were, we would be having a, a big lunch and um, and celebrating International Women's Day with all of our colleague programs um, in the Washington DC area where I am based. Yeah, uh, same Peggy. We are also working from home, uh, but we are meeting prior to Women's Day. So we would be having an early celebration, definitely. So uh, without any further delay, Peggy, uh, I would like to talk about, uh, you know, some uh, very important points that have come up after the pandemic, uh, the ripple effects from the pandemic, which shed light on and further uh, exacerbated existing social inequities. Uh, so could you tell us a little more about these uh, social inequities? Yeah, Japin, I think it's such an interesting point. Um, in so many ways, the COVID pandemic has cracked open the issue of inequities across different fronts in a way that we have never seen before. And I don't think we'll ever go back to what it was like before the pandemic. And, you know, specifically, I think each of us is experiencing this in our own lives, in our own families, in our communities, in our nations, and, and in the world. So as we know, as good feminists, we've been talking for years and years and years about the role of women's um, women's role in the world, particularly with unpaid work and caregiving. And during the pandemic, we have seen that so many women have been affected by COVID because with uh, in countries where there's no childcare provisions and very little support for caregiving, many women have had to leave the workforce. So in a historic way, women have been holding up 
the health and the wellness of their families and their communities and the economy for many years. But for the first time because of the pandemic, we are actually really feeling what it feels like if women, when women have had to leave the workforce in, in droves because of, because of not having childcare and, and not having others to care for the elderly. So there's this profound inequity that we've seen where we are so much more aware of this burden, Jepin, that women have always held, but it's much more profound right now. And similarly, the inequities that we know exist in the world, health inequities between the global north and the global south are so profound, um, and we are seeing them in a way we've never understood them before. So the world is cracked open right now, and women are at the center holding those pieces together. Um, and all of a sudden, policymakers and others who are generally just focused on formal employment, on a traditional notion of GDP, the reality of what we mean by feminist understanding of our economy and the health of our nation is in front of everyone's face. And so it's an interesting moment for us all. Uh, you are right, Peggy. We have, uh, you know, similar data points from India also, uh, where we saw domestic violence uh, on a rise after the uh, during the pandemic, uh, and it still is, and as well as women leaving the workforce. Uh, and I think uh, these uh, these uh, data points are not just specific to one country or one region, but they are uh, systemic and have a global impact on uh, women and work. So Peggy, what would you say? How can we go about addressing these uh, systemic inequities? And uh, what role do uh, you know uh, institutions and and the state play in ensuring that we recover from the impact of COVID nineteen? Um, I'm so glad you raised the point about gender based violence, Japin. It it is gender based violence has increased astronomically during COVID, and again. We've always known that this has been a pervasive endemic challenge in our society, but it's off the charts, what's happening in, in every country of the world right now. And so some of the work that we're doing, and I'm sure others in India are, is trying to find ways to support women who are in their homes, in a, in a violent situation with intimate partners, um, and, and find ways for shelter and opportunity and support to those victims which has been very difficult to do during COVID, uh, particularly during lockdowns, um, shelter, women's shelters have had to be closed. Um, but we at ICRW, and I think you and many of your colleagues are thinking at what are the root causes of violence against women. And we have been working on this for decades at ICRW. Um, ICRW in India, our magnificent colleagues there have done some profound work with um, boys and young men in the schools. And so starting at a very, very young age, unpacking and addressing gender stereotypes and gender norms that have led to this um, really epidemic of gender-based violence that we've experienced for so many years. So I think we need to really double down on all of our work on addressing gender-based violence because it is one of the most serious problems that we face in terms of creating more gender equal world. Um, the other thing, Japine, I think is so interesting is that women, the caregiving economy, all of a sudden, feminist economists that have been talking about it for so long, fem the caregiving economy is seen as a real thing. And what does that mean? That is all of the unpaid work that generally women do, caring for children, caring for the elderly, cooking, um, taking care of the home, that this is a true contribution to society and that we cannot survive without recognizing and supporting 
um, and supporting that. And so I think part of what's happening is thinking about where are countries um, surviving better the pandemic and where which countries have addressed through their policies some of the most important elements that recognize the caregiving role of women. So for example, um, maternal childcare leave and um, childcare policies are a profoundly important part of a gender equal society. Um, also a more recognized um, understanding of the role that women play as caregivers Maternal mortality rates have also really, really jumped during the pandemic, which is, is incredibly troubling. So those, those most critical issues of the caregiving economy, gender-based violence, are ones that we immediately have to focus on um, in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, I completely agree, Peggy. You know, uh, I firmly believe that, uh, you know, gender sensitization trainings should start from the very beginning. And, you know, there is always this conversation on empowering uh, girls and women but I feel uh, we don't just need to empower women and girls but also empower men and boys because if we only empower women and girls uh, you know men and boys will never reach and uh, again there will be conflict which we see uh, when empowered women and girls challenge patriarchal structures so I completely uh, agree with you and uh, it's so great that the ICRW team in India are working on men and boys and uh, you know speaking about maternal uh, leave so uh, again uh, it's my <laughs> firm belief <laughs> uh, that the the state should be responsible for maternal and child care and even though in india we do have uh, a six month uh, you know mandated by law maternity leave all across the country but uh, the implementation is poor so it really is you know on the employers uh, you know will if they offer this leave or not and there isn't i would say uh, a very strict implementation from the state's uh, side so uh, laws alone do not work uh, they need to be implemented strictly and there has to be uh, some kind of uh, penalty if they don't and i really hope that uh, you know post this pandemic the state uh, and government institutions realize that how much of caregiving work women have been doing for decades and it's really time that uh, the state invests in the future of the nation of of the country uh, because children are uh, you know the future of the nation uh, but speaking on uh, you know uh, icrw's work uh, so icrw has been doing uh, this work for over four decades and much of that work has been focused regionally uh, given the global impl uh, implications of COVID, how do organizations like ICRW tackle the far-reaching challenges that have taken root worldwide? Yeah, thank you for that question, Jeffrey. You know, I think um, there's a number of, of movements that are happening on the, at the global level, not just the country or the or the regional level that are really quite interesting and quite promising. Um, for example, um, our advocacy team is working on feminist foreign policy. So what is a feminist foreign policy? That's such an interesting thing. And it was first, um, the very first time we heard about the term was from Margaret Wallstrom um, in Sweden. And Sweden declared that they were taking on a feminist foreign policy. So what does feminism mean? And you, you all live this and breathe this. So I'd love to hear your own thoughts about this. But it's a very profound and a very simple notion, which is that people of all sexes and genders are equal. 
and 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 that notion pervades everything that we do and so it puts the question of gender at the center of all of the um, actions as it relates to how that country interacts in the world. So it's its defense, thinks about the role of women in peacekeeping, it's in its development assistance, the role of women and the role that we can play in in development assistance, um, the role of women in in the military, in a number of other areas. And the question of gender is central to a country's identity. So just today, I'm happy to say that Germany has just stated with its new election that they're going to become the next country to take on a feminist foreign policy. I think that that trend towards not just having women as a separate bucket, more fundamentally integrated into a nation's identity and how they approach problems in the world is profoundly important. And so we have Sweden, Canada, France, Mexico, Germany leading the way, um, leading the way in this area. And as you know, this is women's rights organizations are at the forefront of this. They have pushed for this thinking, and that is um, a really important piece. So in answer to your question about globally, um, I was very, you know, you and I are different ages, and I would love to hear our different perceptions of feminism, but I was very, very, very much formed by the um, global women's movement. Um, from the very first conferences in Mexico City, in Beijing, um, the, the, the power of the global movement of women is very, very, very strong and influential in the world. So at ICRW, we're actively involved in supporting feminist movements and, and the coalitions of women's rights organizations that can make a profound difference in the world. Um, I'll just give you a small example. Um, in Kenya, for example, women's rights organizations became very involved in influencing the government's response to COVID and addressing the challenges that women were facing in the informal settlements, um, in the slums, um, across the across the country. So I think that our work in this area of movement building and ecosystem building is really critical to moving policy. That's uh, really great to know that uh, Germany has taken this step. And, you know, I would uh, just quote bell hooks here and say that feminism is for everybody and everyone should be a feminist, uh, courtesy <laughs> Adichie. Uh, for me, feminism is as basic as social justice. I believe that um, it is the very opposite of social inequality. We uh, don't just uh, need gender equality, but going a little beyond that, uh, we need social justice because we need to recognize that not everybody started at the same point. Not everybody had the same privileges and some people had more privileges than others and some people uh, were discriminated based on their social identity. So. Uh, I believe that feminism, uh, you know, encompasses all of this uh, and talks about uh, social justice. That's that's how I define and I understand uh, feminism. And I owe it to so many uh, feminists from India, uh, but also from U.S., um, uh, Bell Hooks, uh, Kimberly Crenshaw, these are all people that I read and, you know, are my favorites. So, uh, but yeah, that's it's it's so good to know uh, that countries are taking this step and I do hope that our countries will also reach there someday. <laughs> um, but let's uh, let's go ahead with our uh, 
with our interview and uh, i i also would like to know more about you know i keep hearing um, everybody mention centering women girls and marginalized people uh, but what does that really mean like what does that look like when we say that we have to give power to those who have been marginalized so how do we do that that that's such an important question um Yeah, it's profound. It's similar to the way that you answer the question around what is from feminism and quoted bell hooks. You know, it should be like breathing. Um if we are truly living in an equal world. If 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 we are truly living in an equal world, there is no difference between the opportunities and the life and the experiences of people of any gender. Um and that is the world we have to hold in our minds and believe is possible to create. Um you know, we just lost the wonderful Paul Farmer um the day before yesterday who was the founder of Partners in Health and his whole mission in the world was believing that no one person was less equal than another. And that is the way he um uh really pioneered health equity work all around the world. and he said something there's a quote from him something like um all the problems begin when you begin to th- when you think of someone being lesser than another person and so it, at its root it's really about that but i think in answer to your question of how do we center how do we center these issues um what we overlook is you know so often even though you and i've been working for decades combined together on women's rights issues women's issues are often put to the side there is sort of a check the box kind of issue it's a small kind of boutique program it's not integrated into national policy in the way that it needs to be or global policies in the way that it needs to be and what we know you know i know everyone is assessing those is that women are at the center of decision making so in terms of for example women in climate change women are the resource deciders how is water used how many children they have how is food used in the country so investing in women not just as victims of climate change but as the engines and the levers of change so really centering women um and people uh of 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 all 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 stripes and ages and ethnicities and everything at the center of our um interventions is the most critical thing. So we think about that a lot. Um but it's easier said than done because for example when we think about discrimination it's so profound and so ingrained in culture that to dismantle it requires working working and having it be conscious as you and I said like breathing all the time. Completely agree with you on that. I simply would say that centering women is fundamental to every single sustainable development goal that we face health economy climate change women are the key decision makers in household and so when we talk about gender based approaches we are talking about profoundly tapping in to the energy of solutions and that is what i think we need to be doing definitely agree peggy this is something that we also uh, continuously say at fii that you know everything is a women's issue uh, not just uh, what is conventionally known as women's issues uh, you know uh, gender based violence uh, sexual harassment but uh, spe- being a media platform when we talk about the economy or the budget or politics current affairs and people are like oh what has this got to do with feminism and i said everything has got to do with feminism because 
uh, oil prices affect women uh, you know uh, the budget that so we india just announced a budget for 2022 and uh, what allocation is given to uh, education what allocation is given to health infrastructure that all affects women so everything is a women's issue and we need to really stop seeing women as some kind of niche category and equating men with general public like that's what even uh, you know a very uh, funny example would be uh, in in delhi there is a uh, in in the delhi metro there's a women's compartment but if you go to the general compartment they'll say oh this is not for you the women's compartment is at the front and yes we know there is a reserved compartment for women but the other compartments are not for men they are for general public and you know i really get irked when people say oh you go to the towards the front because that's where the women compartment is no we are not a category you know we are half the population and uh, we have the right to the table for everything ranging from domestic chores to how to run a country <laughs> uh but <laughs> i will um uh i want to end this uh podcast with a call to action so uh what would you want to say to the listeners of the podcast today uh, uh on this way special uh, international women's day what is it that as individuals as organizations uh, we can do uh to to raise awareness to work on uh gender equality So you know I I'm really particularly honored to be with you on International Women's Day Jeffy and it's it the thing that gives me the most hope is the emerging leadership from people like you who are embracing and living and breathing not just breathing feminism but singing about it shouting about it and I think that what I would say is a call to action is every vote counts and every voice counts and so when i think of the times in my life when i have been able to move the needle towards gender equity it's when i really sort of mastered the bravery and the courage within myself to stand up and say this person harassing is not right this is not right and it feels like all the forces are against you but i think the call to action is for everyone to redouble and regather their strength and support their sisters and their aunties and their grandmothers and their daughters to to fight for a better world. We belong at the table as you said, Jepine. We need to keep fighting against gender-based violence. We need to keep fighting for the role of women in the economy and in in the politics and in in thinking about creating our new world and uh we will not be silenced. We will not be silenced. We've worked long and hard and we will continue to work. So I am delighted to be talking with you. I um want to just take a moment to say uh luminaries like Elabat of Self-Employed Women's Association and some of her writing and some of the writing um from India's feminists and leaders have led the way for the rest of the world. And so I know you will continue to do that. That's that's so sweet of you. Thank you Peggy for uh talking to me today. This was such a great conversation. to our listeners uh keep watching this space because we have two more episodes coming up in the next episode we talk to trans activist grace banu about how gender caste and work are linked with each other and for the season finale we are talking to the icrw africa team about building back better for more updates follow icrw and fii on social media 
and before we end the episode i just want to say that if you like this episode don't forget to subscribe and rate women and work why it matters on your favorite podcast streaming platforms have a revolutionary women's day everyone thank you